Welcome to The Last Word on the Crosstalk Messages podcast. Every week we take a last look at the message from the most recent Crosstalk. Enjoy this short conversation and stay tuned for the full message directly after. Welcome to The Last Word. I'm Paulina, sitting here with JD. And this week at Crosstalk, we started a new series titled Called, where we're going to explore the crisis and promise of what it looks like to follow Jesus today. And JD, last night you talked to us about the primary call on all of our lives, no matter who we are or where we're at in life, that our primary call is to love God and love others. And I thought we would just jump in um, talking about how that applies as we live in community together. And so how do you think we can actually, whether somebody's listening that isn't super connected to community or has been in community for a while, how do you think we begin to apply and live out that primary call together in the context of community and even specifically for us in community groups in Crosstalk? Yeah, I think the the first thing, and we talked about this a little bit last night, is the idea that to be in community doesn't mean that you have to fit into a box, right? Mm-hmm. You don't have to look a certain way. You don't have to talk a certain way. You don't have to dress a certain way to, to have a place. And that means that there is freedom for us to live uniquely our own personalities, our own gifting. And the cool part about that is that really the community of loving God and loving others means that it's the expression of those things. And so Mm -hmm. that is a really beautiful thing because we get to be who we were created Mm -hmm. to be. And inside of that, there is a lot of unique parts to being in a community. I think that the basic part of that is recognizing that diversity inside of a community and also embracing that, trying to make sure that our community is inviting, that it's not a place where you have to be, do, or act a certain way. Mm. Yeah, that makes sense. That's encouraging too, because I know our differences can often be the thing that keeps us away from each other instead of embracing it, like you said. And I was thinking about during your message, how it really is the idea of calling and even connected to what it's like to live in community with broken, other broken people. Um, But the idea of calling can feel really like, oh my gosh, I'm failing. That's like my immediate thought is like, wow, I'm probably doing something wrong or I probably have to figure out the exact specific calling or else I'm going to totally miss it in my life and miss what God had. And so I was really encouraged by the idea of freedom that you talked about last night. Um, Because like I said, for me, it's felt, it's been something that has often felt both restrictive and unachievable. Like I just can never do exactly what God has for me and I'll always miss it. And so as I was thinking about that and thinking, we have, you know, Crosstalk is full of people in all stages of this around college-aged life. Um, what do you think is something that we can all do right now that either begins to make us free or keeps us free? What do you think are maybe some practical things that can help us like day-to-day really stay in freedom in our calling versus like we can't achieve it or we only have one way? Yeah, I think that the big thing is that we as a community don't need to place burdens on people. Mm-hmm. That it's not our job in community to place things on people's shoulders that they have to live up to. 
that there's this expectation that you have to meet because like you said, Paulina, there is, there are people in all different pieces and parts of their faith journey, whether that is just starting or you've been walking with Jesus for a really long time. And so we can't load people down with burdens that are too heavy to carry, Mm -hmm. expecting them to live up to those things, setting the bar at a certain level that is a man-made expectation. Because the beauty of our calling is that it's simple to love God Mm -hmm. and to love others. And that means that there aren't Like, quite frankly, in Jesus, we don't get loaded down with the extra burden of the law anymore. Mm. Jesus fulfilled the law. He freed us from the law so that we can live in freedom. And that means our unique expression of what it looks like for us to love God and to love others. And that's going to look different for every person. Mm. That's really good. I'm really, I'm encouraged that it's just fun to be free in Jesus and how I add so much that isn't, like you said, supposed to be a burden on my shoulders anymore. Um, Well, on the last word, we're short and sweet, but do you want to ask you, JD, if you have anything that you would add that we should have as a takeaway this week? Yeah, I think that it's just keeping it simple is the primary thing in this. The people don't expect much from us other than simple obedience, simple gentleness, kindness, love, and Mm -hmm. grace. And that's the way in which we're going to really affect the community around us is that when we don't come out swinging with all of these Mm -hmm. extra things, but meeting people right where they're at and loving them really, really well in the context in which we already inhabit. And that's why I'm really excited next week we're going to continue in this series on called, and we're going to ask the question, where are we called? And it's really, I think, going to give us um, a good sense of clarity on how we walk forward in light of this universal call that we all have on our lives. It is so good to see you guys today. My name is JD. I'm the Crosstalk Pastor here with Cypress Creek Church. If you guys are joining here for the first time or maybe just checking us out, we are so glad that you guys are here. Um, it is truly our it is truly a gift to be able to gather like this on a weekly basis and we are super thankful for that especially as the weather begins to turn it kind of felt like today spring was no more I don't know if anybody else felt that way but it felt like once it hit today it was like it's too hot like it is it is officially summer at this point in time my my brain I don't know I don't know I went to school up in the Midwest I went to Ohio State and we always hit this point, really this part of the school year, where actually it would probably happen in March where we would have, it'd be super, super cold and snowy and we would have like our first sunny and 60 day. It literally 60 degrees. And everyone would be out in, it's called the oval, but it's basically the quad. And everybody would be out in like bathing suits, hanging out, just trying to get some sun. And so when we have a day like this, that's all that I think of. It's like, It is time to go outside. It's time to go hang out. It's time to go get in the sun for the first time, like all winter. And as I was thinking about that, I was thinking about my college experience. And I don't know if this is actually true. This is this is my feelings. I feel like I didn't have a huge like angsty phase in high school, middle school or high school. I feel like I kind of missed that one, but I hit my my angsty phase in college. I don't know if any of the rest of you guys 
feel that way about your college experience, but I feel like the first two years of my college experience, the only thing that I was thinking about is what in the world am I doing? Like I was just so filled with like, what am I doing? Why am I here? I went through all of these majors and like groups of friends trying to find my place. And I just, (laughs) yeah, it was this whole like period and season of turmoil where I was trying to figure out who I was and what I was supposed to do with my life. After my freshman year of college, I went back, I went and I interned at a church for the first time. And so I had this amazing summer working in vocational ministry for the first time. I felt like I had kind of beaten the system. Like the stuff that I normally volunteered to do, they were actually like paying me to do, right? It was like, you're telling me that I get to go on mission trips and go to camp and go do these fun events and I get paid for it? Like, this just seems like it can't exist. And so I had this really amazing experience where I got done with it and felt like, oh my gosh, like the Lord used me. I made a difference. And I was really excited to go back to Ohio State to be to go represent and go share the gospel onto the campus at Ohio State. And then it felt like when I got back on campus, it was like the world's biggest letdown for me. I got back and school was really hard. Um, I hated what I was studying. I was studying zoology as my like fourth major in college at this point. (laughs) And I I remember I was going, I got out of an organic chemistry exam. I don't know if I see like two people in here who are nodding with me that you have been through OCHEM. But I remember I studied like 40 hours for this one test, like a full-time jobs worth work week of studying for this. And I got back and I got my score back and I got a 38%. 38%. I didn't even get 50%. And the crazy part was that the average was only 42%. And then I still felt dumb. My like 38% wasn't even a C. Like I I just felt dumb. I didn't know what I was doing with my life. And it just kind of felt like this season of turmoil where I'm just asking myself, what am I doing here? Why am I paying to do this, right? And at the same time, the guy who is discipling me has the audacity to start this conversation with me as he's seeing my life in shambles. He goes, hey, you ever thought that maybe you're like called the ministry? And I felt like at that moment in time, that was like the, that question was the perfect scapegoat for me to just hit the ejector seat button on anything hard in school, Right? Like, nope, I'm done. Like, I'll go study religious studies. I'll go do uh, communications. I'll go do anything but what I am currently doing, right? Because all I know is that being in vocational ministry means that I don't have to take science. I was looking for a way out. And so I I started to pray and to think about this. And it it was on my mind constantly. I was consumed by it. And it maybe sounds like, oh man, this was this great experience where you got really close to God. I was agonizing over this. Like it was the most miserable I had been because I was just thinking like, God, is this what you would have for me? Is this what I'm supposed to do with my life? And I like became fixated on it, right? And I didn't feel any clarity from the Lord. I didn't feel like the Lord was saying, hey, go in this direction or go in this direction. Because really what I wanted was an answer, right? I just wanted to know, am I doing the right thing? Am I supposed to go in a different direction? And I didn't have any of that. And so I finally sit down in my pastor's office and I basically asked him like, what do I do? 
Like, how do I know? How do I get any level of peace or certainty about what I'm doing with my life? We did a whole bunch of talking and he did a whole bunch of listening and we did a whole bunch of praying. And I came out of that conversation and really there was a very simple thing that he gave me. And it made all the difference for me. And he basically just advised me that I should just start doing the work of ministry and that the Lord would make the rest of it clear. That I just needed to engage in the ministry around me and that the Lord would bring me clarity as to what I was supposed to do. And lo and behold, he was right. He was right because as soon as I started actually investing in the lives of the people around me, God began to bring clarity into my life. I began to see clearly where I was supposed to go and what I was supposed to do. And not because I knew exactly what I was going to do for the rest of my life, but I knew that I was just walking inside of God's will. And so I had the freedom to begin to make choices. And I had the freedom to begin to to follow him where I felt like my heart was taking me without this like Morgan Freeman thunderbolt voice from heaven saying, this is what I'm supposed to do with the rest of my life. And during that entire period of time, I was so worried about my own calling, this vocational calling that it felt like it was all consuming, that I totally missed out on what God was calling me to do right here and right now in my life. And that period of my life was marked by this self-centered desire to have answers to my own questions. I wanted to see the bigger picture. I wanted to see how it was all going to work out. And in that pursuit of those answers, I missed the people who were standing right in front of me. And so what I would like to do for the next few weeks, we're going to do this through the end of the school years. We're going to begin to explore this concept of calling. We're going to define it. We're going to explore what God calls us to specifically, and then how do we begin to live that out in our life? Where are we called? Who are we called to? And really, what does that mean for us in our relationship with Jesus? We're going to do that by walking through this book right here. It's a very small, tiny book. It's called Called by Mark Laverton. Um, Subtitle on this is The Crisis and Promise of Following Jesus Today. And I would highly recommend, there is nothing that we're going to do over the next four weeks that requires you to have this book. But I would tell you as someone who has read this book, I bought it 18 months ago and I've already read it three times. This is a good little like $10 book. And it's not hard to read. And and the cool part about this book is that at the end of each chapter, he basically gives you an idea. Let me see what he calls it. Um, But practice. He just calls it practice. And there's some just some suggested ways that you can engage with what he's talking about. And they were really formational for me. And so if you guys have 10 bucks to spend, Amazon, uh, when I bought this copy, it was like 24-hour shipping with Prime. So I would highly suggest picking up this book. But really, this book explores the idea and defines the idea of calling and how it coincides with the crisis that, that Mark is seeing in the church today. And so that's going to kind of be what we, what we take a look at. And so when we step back and we begin to, I, I think the, I'll even step back farther. I think that the word calling is something that's used a lot in the church, but is very rarely defined for people. If you've been in the church for any length of time, people 
throw around this word and you're kind of required to guess at exactly what it means. And so you hear people talk about it in different ways. And so as you get more experience, you get this idea, this holistic idea of what this, uh, what this means. But when we step back and we look at this idea of calling, we see that every human being on earth has the same calling. There's a universal call on all of our lives. And that call is that pl- God places on all of our lives is to follow Jesus. Plain and simple, we all have a calling to follow Jesus in our lives. And this concept at a basic level is what creates and defines what it means to be a Christian, right? This is our internal reality that we have accepted Jesus and we are now following him with our lives. And we bear authentic witness to God's love for us by in turn demonstrating Jesus' following lives to the world around us. That is our actions, our behaviors, the way that we speak. This is the external, this is the outward expression, right, Uh, of that inward reality, as we so often talk about. But too often, we, those who call ourselves Christians, we don't live that sort of a life. We don't live that sort of a life, and our lives don't match what we say we believe, And I think most, if not all of us in this room, have experience with the failure of people who call themselves Christians to live out this call in their own personal life. And we carry with us the hurts and hangups of those experiences. Some of us, it's still difficult to walk in the door of a church as a result. And it doesn't exist just on a personal level, this failure. It exists at a a communal level level as well. And, and what we see, if you look at recent studies on church membership in the United States of America, all mainline denominations are decreasing in membership. If you break that down farther and just put it in its simplest terms, that means that church membership as a whole is going down. And so you begin to ask the question of why. Why is church membership going down? Why are less people than ever before coming into church? And a big piece of the reason that attendance is declining, that membership is declining, is that the church is not living out our call to the world around us. Plain and simple, we talked about this in the book of Luke, this idea of majoring in the minors. We're focusing on secondary, superfluous things here in the church. And what we're neglecting is the simple call to follow Jesus. Meanwhile, the world around us urgently and desperately needs people who actually live out that calling. And here's the caution for us when we talk about this idea of calling. The vast majority of the time is that we talk about it on a very individual level, right? The same as my experience. What is, my, what is God calling me to? And we're not going to resolve this crisis in the world around us by personal revival alone, by asking the question of what's God's calling on my life like I did and so many of you guys probably are now. The question is not a bad question in and of itself. It's, it's, it really isn't. But when we, when we break down this question for, for our own lives, oftentimes it's just individualistic and it neglects the shared calling of the people of God. 
And so we miss out on what God wants to do in the everyday and in the mundane and only focuses on the big picture, right? And so what we can do, however, is recenter on a personal level, recenter our lives on Jesus, on just pure and simply following Jesus. Whatever our context, our job, our setting, the primary thing we are to be about every day is simply following Jesus. And we as the community of God's people, the church, we are meant to live out and be evidence of the fact that God has come among us in Jesus to love us and to heal us. That is the message of Easter that we celebrated this past Sunday. And this concept is both the crisis and the promise of following Jesus today. In this picture, we see both the failure of the church, but we also see the promise of what the church can and should be and our own personal responsibility in doing so. And before we get any further into this, I do want to define the word calling a little bit more for us and how we're going to use it over the course of the next four weeks. We've already said that God's call for each and every one of us is this, that we receive and live out the love that God has for us and for the world, right? And we follow Jesus by doing so. And that's the meaning of the two great commandments, right? To love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength, and to love your neighbor as yourself. Jesus says that here in Mark 22. We're going to start in verse 34, and he says, when they heard that Jesus had silenced the Sadducees, the Pharisees met together. One of them, who was an expert in the law, asked him a question, trying to trap him. Teacher, which is the greatest commandment of the law? Jesus said to him, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. The second is like it, love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and the prophets depend on these two commandments. We see here that the first and second commandments taught by Jesus to love God and to love others are our calling. Plain and simple. They guide how we live life as God intends it to be lived. And just to summarize at this point, just so we're all on the same page, we are called, everybody, every human being is called to follow Jesus. We're called to follow Jesus. This is the universal call on every person. And it's defined by loving God and loving others. That's how we put legs on that. But it's also important for us to define what calling isn't. Calling isn't just a category for those like me who pursue some form of organized ministry, right? Calling is not specific to pastors. It's not specific to ministry workers. It's not specific to worship leaders. We all have calling. And it's about, rather, God's desire for us, for all of our lives to be lived as ambassadors for God's kingdom, plain and simple. And when we fully embrace that, that leads naturally and secondarily into God's call for us individually, right? When we walk, actually, Paulina was the one who who articulated this for me on Tuesday. God's will for our life is not a thing. It's not a thing to, to attain or to do. God's will is something to be lived in. That's the concept of what we're talking about. 
We're not talking about attaining a specific call, which was my perspective when I was a sophomore in college, right? What is God calling me to? Well, is it pastoral ministry? That's the thing that you attain. And what I was missing is that God is calling me to walk inside of his will, to love God and to love people right here, right now. And I have the freedom to make choices inside of that. And people think as a result that that Christianity is this very narrow thing, that it's like the fun police, right? But what we see is that when we view God's will, not as something to like a set of rules to attain or a standard, but rather we see it as walking in God's will, then we have all the freedom in the world to make choices, to do things, to go in different directions, to care for people the way that we feel we should care for people, to love people and to serve people and to meet needs, to not feel like we have to have a specific answer from God to be able to do those things. He gives us the freedom to walk in that calling. And here is the crisis that we're facing today. We have been created and redeemed for specifically this calling, to love God and to love others. That's what we were created for, to be in relationship with God. But we often fail to live that out, as we've already talked about. We as followers of Jesus are not immune to the same worries, anxieties, doubts, and insecurities that everyone else experiences in this world. We're not immune to those things. And we see very clearly that often love is more evident in the lives of the people, our our friends and our family who are not followers of Jesus. We see that all the time. And, And often we ourselves say that we are following Jesus, but what we offer is something far different. The expression of our calling gets buried under these layers of superfluous stuff so that we lack significant evidence of life in Jesus. And as a result, we try to we overcompensate by trying to prove ourselves that I do enough good things, right? We do it by trying to manage other people's perception. We try to keep up an image. We do it by trying to speak louder and say the right things so that people will believe us if we just say it louder and say it more. And we do it by trying to be showy so that everybody knows exactly what we are about. But the real solution is what the Bible declares our calling to be, to live out genuine love that shows up in time of real need. Mark Laberton says it this way. He says that we are to be those who, in the vastness of the universe and in the context of human powerlessness, show up as advocates who represent and incarnate the presence of God who is the hope of the world. When we fail to live our call, we bury the gospel where no one can find it. And here's the driving question that we all need to be asking ourselves. And this is a question that I've been asking myself. And it's a question of if a casual acquaintance of yours, someone that you very vaguely know, that you've just been introduced to, if they hang out with you for the first time, will they meet someone who is like Jesus? If you hang out with someone for the very first time, are they going to meet someone 
who is like Jesus. Not someone who casually claims to know Jesus, not someone who shows them all of their accolades, all of the things that they have done for Jesus and in the name of Jesus, and not someone who begins by justifying or rationalizing their behaviors, but someone who is actually like Jesus, who loves like Jesus, who serves like Jesus, who talks like Jesus, who cares like Jesus. Here's the reality. We assume that those outside of the church desire perfection from us. We make the assumption that those outside of the church want perfection from us. And, but what they seek in reality is something that is far, far more achievable. Again, Mark Labberton says that what they want is authentic people whose proclamation of their trust in Jesus is backed up by ordinary but self-giving acts of grace, justice, and compassion. What they want, the world, what the world wants is authentic people whose proclamation of their trust in Jesus is backed up by their ordinary but self-giving acts of grace, justice, and compassion. In every aspect of life, in small acts and in large acts, with our family, with our friends, and even our enemies, we are to seek to live out the grace and the truth of Jesus with everyone. This is our calling today, today. And in relation to this primary calling, everything, all of the rest of the stuff is secondary. And so when we ask this question and we look at this idea of a universal call, that we are all called to the same thing, I think that it can oftentimes come across or or make you think that you have to fit into a box, right? If we're all called to do the same thing, then we all have to look the same way, that we all have to talk the same way, that we all have to dress the same way. But the reality is that we all follow Jesus in a manner that is unique to our own life. That we all have different vocations, we all have different giftings, that we all have different personalities, that we all have different contexts in which we live, but we all have the same calling. And again, because we are gifted in these unique ways and we exist in these unique spaces, we have the freedom to live out of that calling the way that we're gifted to do so, the way that we have the ability to do so. Because all I know is that, and I knew this before I got married, but it's more apparent now that I've gotten married, that Taylor is a vastly different person than me. And she shouldn't be me. She doesn't have to be who I am. And the beauty of that is that she gets to enter into people's lives and care for them and love them in ways that I never could because her personality, her gifting, her context is vastly different than mine. My wife grew up in inner city Houston I'm a pastor, right? We talk to people. We interact with people. We 
we care for people in vastly different ways because of our upbringing, because of all of these things, but we both have the same calling, and that is to follow Jesus with everything that we have, to love God. And it doesn't mean that we always agree about the secondary stuff, but it means that that we find unity in that common call, in the common goal. And if we're going to take this seriously and we're actually going to follow Jesus, if we want to live out this calling, then we always begin right where we are currently. And here's how I visualize it. And so I hope that this makes sense. I view this as as a road. We can even just take it as Ranch Road 12, right? Going back to San Marcos. And so we're driving down Ranch Road 12 and we follow Jesus. We're knowing, we know that we're going down this very specific road. And what happens is that as we drive down this road, we're going to encounter and engage in things on that road that are going to alter our purpose and they're going to reorient our priorities. They're going to alter our purpose and they're going to reorient our priorities. And so it's going to cause us to take a different direction on that road. We're still going down in the same direction. And those things that we encounter usually aren't pit stops where we pull over to the side of the road on our journey and stop and figure things out and fix it. But rather, what's happening is we're doing so right in the midst of the context that we already inhabit. When there's something in the road, you don't pull over, decide what to do, and then keep driving. You just continue to drive and you make decisions on the way. The same sort of deal happens in our relationship with Jesus. We're going towards Jesus. We're following Jesus. We're going to encounter these things that cause us to move into change, to become more like God every day. And it happens in an instant. It happens moment by moment. We don't get to pull over and pause our life to figure it out. We just have to keep living. And in doing so, that those contexts that we already inhabit are our dorm rooms. There are apartments, there are houses, there are jobs, there are classrooms, and there are community groups, right? And so what we're doing is we reorder our priorities and we alter our purpose towards following Jesus is we're learning to see people that we see every day in a totally new way. We're learning to see people that we see every day in a totally new way. And what happens is that we begin to see them as a person created and loved by God. And to keep up with my road metaphor here, it's like driving Ranch Road 12, which you guys do all the time to come to church, to come to Crosstalk, and you go back and forth all, all the time. And there usually comes a specific day where the light hits it just right. And your heart is just in the right place. And you see the beauty of it. Like it's the very first time that you've driven that road. You see the beauty of that drive. Maybe it's a specific turn when you're coming through the junction. And you're like, oh my gosh, this place is incredible. That this drive is really amazing. Or look at that, the ranch land off to the right of the road. And that's the same thing that begins to happen when when we reorder our priorities, and we change our purpose towards following Jesus is that we begin to see people as loved and created by God. And this road doesn't disguise the challenge of going this way, right? There's still the curves on Ranch Road 12. There's still the spots where if it's icy, your truck can't get up and and get home, right? Those challenges are still there on an everyday basis, but but what happens is it brings us face to faces with the challenging with the challenging parts of this calling. Right? 
we have to come to terms with it. And that means that because we usually, in the process of trying to see people as created and redeemed by God in his image, it is really difficult to do so when they are annoying. It's really hard to do it when they reject you. It's really hard when they are rude. It's really hard when you have to cover someone's shift because they didn't show up for work, right? My usual thought process when someone inconveniences my life is not, man, created in the image of God. Mine is usually far, far worse, right? And that is the challenge of our calling to love God and to love others is that we don't get to do it on our own terms. (laughs) We do it on their terms, quite frankly. And that means in the brokenness and the messiness of life. But right here in the midst of everyday life, we face the gritty challenge of following Jesus by learning to love and to serve those who are at our doorstep. And as I was thinking about this and thinking about this process, right? I had this realization. And my realization was that we're never going to be called to anything less than this. We're never going to be called to anything less than this. This is the basic meaning of what it means to follow Jesus, to love God and to love others. And sometimes the most basic thing for us is the hardest thing of all, because we want to rush on to bigger and to better things. We want the destination at the end of the road. And so what we really want to explore is the big picture vocation. We want to know what our grand mission in life is. We we want to think on this grand and macro scale. And because of that, we often lose sight or demean this simple kind of following Jesus where we just love the people that God has placed in front of us. Following Jesus today in the life we are living right now, this is the calling that we have to grasp and we have to practice. Because this makes all the difference in our own personal lives, because we feel the freedom of a life in Christ, but it also makes all the difference in the lives of the people around us. And that is how we begin to see the gospel of Jesus Christ change the communities that we are in by loving God and loving others. Very simple. Thanks again for tuning in to the Crosstalk Messages podcast. Make sure you are following Crosstalk on social media at crosstalk underscore TXST. If you have any questions for the Crosstalk team, you can send us a message on those pages. We will see you here again next week.